0: I, I always do look for where can I have a princess moment, <laughs> yeah. wherever it is throughout the whole script. Somewhere there's going to be, you know, if I can get creative, if I can do little things. Like I I studied the show, so I knew where they all set on the couch, and I knew and I was like, right. don't let him sit on the floor. You sit up here, and sit on the arm, or do, you know, just just moving them around because they were used to it. this is my spot. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, Every episode is looking the same. We can't do that. You know, so I know that they are looking for me to bring something to the table because if it's like deliver the same meal every every day, that's boring, you know, and I do have a good, you know, a strength of just being able to be around a lot of people and communicate effectively toward everybody and make everybody feel seen and heard And I think that is one of the one of my my gifts that I say helps me even when I'm in positions where I'm not like okay I got to call Peter somebody because I never did this before. Right. Right. The fact that I make sure everybody feels seen and heard, they will give me elbow room.
1: Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman is a podcast on directing for anybody that's quite simply ever watched anything. Visit PeteChapman.com to get your official podcast merch, hoodies, hats, jackets, mugs, and other swag, and learn more about your host.
2: All right, what's up, people? Welcome to episode 56 of Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman, starring Princess Monique Films. We're going to get right to that interview shortly, but first I want to welcome y'all back. hope you enjoyed last week with my man Mo Marable. Lots of gems, got a lot of great reviews, got a note from from a, a buddy of mine, a fellow filmmaker, who said it was his favorite episode ever. And I feel like that comes from, you know, in the kind of heart-to-heart, true anecdotal welcoming into one's journey in this crazy game that we call directing or just being in an entertainment career at all so rick serena appreciate you for the for the note my man and and inspired by what you keep continuing to do he's a a, a guy I worked with he edited something that I shot for abc disney and walmart before i was doing episodic work and he's you know racking up all kind of awards and projects as a director producer editor cinematographer he kind of does it all so he's a guy that you know i'll throw this out there that i think folks who are looking for emerging directors y'all should take a look at rick serena r i c s e r e n a dot uh really talented cat but as far as the news for this week Not much to report. I'm not going to keep commenting on the strike and the lack of a deal from the AMPTP with SAG-AFTRA because it's kind of a, you know, who knows what's going on in the room. I say that every week, so I ain't really got shit to say about it because it will be uninformed. It will be conjecture and it will be a minute of time that could be devoted to nothing, something better or to getting to Princess Monique films quicker. I did ask my wife, you know, what should I talk about in this intro today as we dropped off our daughter at school? And she said, talk about the documentaries you've been enjoying. So I will. I've recommended this to a few folks. We we watched the Beckham documentary on Netflix. And I got to say, it was dope. I was Aware of Beckham and his journey, but I wasn't totally aware of the like specifics of what he had done and kind of the trials and tribulations that he faced as a soccer player, but also as a as a worldwide celebrity. And you know, it's directed by Fisher Stevens, who does a hell of a job as a director on the documentary. I I love. I won't get into plot because I feel like you just watch and you'll learn, but. I feel like the the stylistic approach to the documentary is really refreshing, in the sense that it feels very it feels as casual as you can feel with a worldwide <laughs> megastar. But he also has a technique of these very close, uh, you know. It's interesting. I don't know if it's a wide angle that's close up, or if it's a telephoto lens and it's just a very tightly composed shot. But the camera is very tight on Beckham's face and other you know, players that he played with and played against as they watch highlights and they do a little bit of a light reflection of, of the TV or whatever they're using to project this game footage. And you just see the, the little hints of memory and, and facial flickerings that happen as they relive what they've done. And I think it's a really powerfully put together technique and, uh, you know, there's also a thing that I I, I remarked on where I remember there's one interview with a fellow soccer player f- from the British team where Fisher's interviewing the guy as he walks down the street and the camera's behind him. And it almost feels like you're like trying to catch up and keep up with this guy as he tells you, you know, whatever information about whatever question he's being asked. And so it's it's super casual. I, I love that approach. But overwhelmingly, the the journey of Beckham is something that's kind of crazy like if you wrote it I always say sometimes you watch these documentaries and it's like if you wrote it it would be bad writing when you presented that script to someone because they'd say this is this is bullshit this is this is too easy this is you know too manufactured. the emotion like come on but when you watch someone's real life journey you realize just how poetic life can be and it can be a reminder of what we can do in our scripts but we have to find a way to earn it in any narrative work that we put together. So that's my ramblings on that. Check out Beckham. Also check out Messi Meets America, which is on Apple TV, another great soccer piece which is kind of connected to Beckham. My dog is going crazy in the background, so hope that's not being picked up too much by the mic. But yeah, check out that as well. And you know, the reason that I I'm always kind of watching docs is that I, I love to keep them on in the background while I'm doing other work just as a way to kind of keep me engaged in story and in style and in storytelling. So, you know, everybody has their own process, but uh, I let those docs play and play and play. And I, I feel like I get a lot of just storytelling value from that. But let's see, before we get into the intro for Princess Monique Films, uh, I do also want to plug This Friday, my man Keith Powell, who was a guest on the show in our earlier seasons, uh, maybe one of the first 10 episodes. I can't remember these things anymore, but he's got a new web series called Keith Versus, and it's dropping on Friday. And I hope that y'all check it out. It's a, you know, he's a writer, director, actor, producer, film, TV, theater, and I think. Much like this podcast has been my, you know, passion project and, and something that's kept me fulfilled from the quarantine through now. This project, Keith versus from Keith Powell has been something that's powered him through this strike that is going on more than six months at this point. So Keith versus drops Friday, check it out. In the meantime, we're about to get into this episode starring Princess Monique Films, and let me tell you a little bit about her. She has directed episodes of Greenleaf, Blackish, Our Kind of People, First Wives Club, The Goldbergs, Grand Crew, Run the World. She's done a variety of short films. Sorry, I, my dog is wilding, but I, this is my time to record the intro, so this is what y'all going to get. <laughs> She's won a variety of awards for her, her short film, The Call. Including Best Short Film, Best Director, Best Overall Film at the San Francisco Black Film Festival. She's an alumni of the Disney ABC Directing Program, Class of 2020. So we were right after one another. I was 2018 to 20, I believe. And I guess she was, I I don't know, I'm gonna mess up these years, but I got to meet her when I would come back and speak to the cohort. Much like myself, I, and I think I mentioned this in an interview, we're kind of a mirror image of one another. She released her autobiography, Hood to Hollywood, How to Stop Waiting to be Discovered and Discover Yourself in the Summer of 2022. So much respect to a director, author. She received a proclamation from the city of Warrensville Heights, Ohio, which declared October 24th to be Princess Monique Day. She's traveled the world as a high fashion runway and print model for Ebony and Jet magazine, As you can see, the list goes on and on and on for Princess Monique Films. So let's get right to it. Here we are. Episode 56 starring Princess Monique Films. And apparently the introduction has been sponsored by Motown the dog.
1: Roll sound. speed. The interview. Take one.
2: All right, so tell me about Officer Barry.
1: <laughs>
0: and then I'm starting this party. Okay, okay. All right, Pete And I'll see you. <laughs> Officer Barry, okay. I got a guest star role on the Steve Harvey show. And it was the very first role I believe I got. When I moved from Cleveland to LA, I thought I was going to be an actress. So, you know, I was pursuing that and, yeah, that's the first role I ever got. But it was a cool thing because Steve Harvey, is I always say, he's kind of like the uncle to me. I've been knowing him since I was nine years old. And that's actually where we got reconnected, you know, and to be on the show. And I waited to after I did my part to go up to him afterwards. Because, of course, I had grown up since that little nine-year-old girl. And he could not believe that I was the girl who lived next door to his aunt. So it, wow. was, it was
2: cool. So you earned that role rightfully, but you were able to... Have that kind of history to be like, yo, it's me,
0: right? Exactly, because I mean, the funny story is that he used to come over to my aunt's house with his, I think, honor cousin lived next door to my aunt, and he splashed my bike with mud <laughs> one time, right? And so, me and my friends, we put mud all over his car and hid. <laughs> and so, when when he came out, he was like, "You the girl that that put all that mud on my car?" I'm like, "I'm that girl."
2: That's hilarious. <laughs> and he <laughs> so that 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 sounds like growing up Ohio. So tell me tell me about where you're from and and what you what it was like growing up, where you grew up, which was Cleveland, right?
0: Yeah, you know Cleveland. I was I was in a deep deep inner city. You know I I saw it all growing up, and but I tell you, growing up in the hood is it, probably the best life teacher. <laughs> Of any other you can't go to school and learn what you learned in the hood. I mean, you learn how to defend yourself, how to be street smart, how to, you know, hustle. You you yeah. learn, oh, oh, I mean, Cleveland, um, you know, I've been in LA so long and people are like, Oh, you're from LA. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm from Cleveland. I'm, that's that's who raised me to be who right. I am today. Yeah. Well
2: that, that's the interesting thing too, because like what happens, you know, like growing up in, in those type of environments is the things that happen in a, in maybe a passive aggressive way or in a, in a, you know, under the rug behind closed door way in other, in, in business or in other neighborhoods are right in front of your face. And so you have to find, you have to be able to read it and, 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 and perceive it and make judgments on what you need to do to move safely, you know, through the, through the world, which is a great skill. Wish, you, wish you didn't have to acquire it like that, though, right? But it's, a, yeah, know, it's an right? amazing skill,
0: you, and you can't, you can't just teach it. You have to experience it to, to get it. Yeah, you know, in that environment.
2: Yeah. So how? So were you? Were you like you know K through twelve in Cleveland? Like did you did you move around, or what was that? What was that world like for you?
0: Yeah, I did move around a lot. I, I was elementary in Cleveland, and my mother married, got married, and we moved to Atlanta for a few years. And then we were in South Carolina for a few years. Then we moved back to Cleveland and then we moved to LA and then we moved back to Cleveland. So I was definitely, I felt like you would think I was in the military, but family or something, but now my my stepfather, he did construction. So we will go wherever the, you know, the big jobs were. And right. I, but when they got divorced, I went back to Cleveland.
2: Got it. And so what, in what, because your your journey is 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 unique, you know. And I said before we we started this that I feel like I'm talking to my twin in some respects because you've done so many different things, you know, from acting to am I, and modeling. Am I correct? Yes. You know, to you've got your book. You've done you know feature films. You've done so many different things within the in the world of entertainment. So, like, I guess the question is what was the first, what was the moment where you were like, oh, I like entertainment or I want to be in that kind of industry?
0: Well, my mother tells this story. She said when I was a little girl, I used to just run around and say, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I know it has something to do with TV. So Mm -hmm. I felt like I came out (laughs) this way. You know, I've just always been infatuated with just performance and just what it made me feel like. I remember watching, you know, Michael Jackson and Jackson 5, you know, and they were performing on the Grammy. Then I just lost my mind. And I'm like, I want to make people feel like I right. feel right now. And I just find myself just, just into all the movies. And it wasn't, you know, in that I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And when well, I was born in the 70s, but you know, I started kind of, you know, getting into movies in the 80s. And it was just not that many, you know, of people like us. So I would watch the same movie over and over and over and over, and start to dissect it. Right. But yeah, that's that's where the bug got caught.
2: (laughs) What were what were uh, like, you know, a a handful of those movies that first made an impact on you that you were that you were watching over and over again and and breaking the VHS tape on.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, my mother, I had a very curated list that I could watch. She was not letting me watch the shoot of my Bang Bang. So it was Sparkle, The Last Dragon, The witch Commando, for whatever reason. And I remember- that's a, little, that's a little shooting my bang bang. I I, loved it. I, got, I slid Commando in there because she liked Bill Duke. It was funny. I grew up and he's one of my best friends. It's the craziest thing that a lot of people that I watched all over and over and over, like to see them walking around and I'm like, that's actually my friend now. This is really crazy. But yeah, I can go on and on, but I didn't get it. I, I didn't get to watch the black exploitation ones until later in life. I was like, oh, I was missing out.
2: <laughs> yeah, in our house, we couldn't watch- we weren't supposed to watch Good Times, but we did, you know, just cause it was the portrayals that the parents were trying to like preserve. And then mm-hmm. there were all these, oh man, we used to listen to we found the Richard Pryor records. <laughs>
1: so feel well, that. Like,
2: oh man, <laughs> we'd be in we'd be in the in the in the in the room with the record player, like barely hearing. We're all <laughs> up on it laughing. So all right. So then what what was your you went from Cleveland to let me see. He went to South Carolina, then Atlanta. Then, then Atlanta, South Carolina, back to Cleveland, to L.A., back to Cleveland. What was your pursuit for college?
0: Well, I went to Kent State University in, in Ohio. So by the time I went to college, we were back in Cleveland. So I went to Kent and I went to Kent because one of my favorite cousins, I just thought she was just like the prettiest, smartest girl I ever knew. So I wanted to do whatever she did. You know, when I see things or people who portray things or set examples of things that I want for myself, I just mimic them. That's yeah. Why you think we, that's why you think we're sister and brother because I'm just mimicking yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> No, but you have, it's like, that's such an important thing. If you don't have, if you don't see it, it's not possible, right? Like, and, and, and when you have very few examples of what it is you endeavor to do, then of course it's like, you know, how many of us are going to be like, oh man, Spike Lee, you know what I mean? Because like, if you're of a certain age and this is what you do, that was the North Star.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, you know, I wrote a book, but I mean, it was, I, one of the reasons why I wrote a book too, it was one, not just because I saw, I saw you write one, but I was like, I'm not skilled enough to be writing about directing like that, but I'm skilled mm-hmm. about, enough about my life and about the lessons I learned along the way on this journey but it was too that I was going to the bookstores because I was always a big board's Barnes and Nobles Borders. I stay there all day just reading, but I couldn't see. I didn't see any books with our faces on it. Right. And, you know, and I, my old pastor used to say, "You can get mad about it, or you can do something about it." So I decided right. to do something about it. Right.
2: Well, let's let's talk about that since we're there, because for me it was you know I had the similar thing. I was like, "Well, I can't really write about directing either." I feel well, I could, but people would be like, well, "Who are you?" You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like. Let me write about the journey because that will be something that somebody will see and maybe keep them from quitting. Yeah. Um, so what was what was the evolution? Like you've kind of talked about the evolution of your book, but like specifically, what is what does the book get into?
0: Yeah, cover to cover? I cover. One of the things I was also doing was teaching acting classes in between my directing, get whatever I could get. So I can kind of keep that instrument sharp and learn and get to know actors. And I just kept referring them to this book, that book. I'm like, I'm making some people a lot of money. Like I'm telling all these kids, and they would buy all the books. And and a lot of the things that I was telling them to buy the books for were things that I actually lived by. And right. so, I'm like, well, I was just putting in my own book and they can buy my book, <laughs> you know. Right. That, that was one of the motivation motivators. And then I just had a acting not acting. He was a commercial, well, commercial acting coach. And I remember him saying one day in class, it's like, you have a whole book inside of you right now. And I was like, really? You think so? And that just stuck with me. And so I just started writing and I feel like it took me forever <laughs> to, to finish this book. But I had a back surgery and I was like, well, I got to sit around for a little bit here. So I had no excuse. I had the time. So I finished it.
2: And did you, so wait, so it's called Hood to Hollywood. Yes.
0: And when did you start writing it? Oh, what well, year? When I first first, it, I would say because it, it, it was definitely, I would say almost a four year process. because I had all these journals from when mm-hmm. I was a little girl that my mother saved for whatever reason. And so, I mean, it had to be at least 50 of them because I, I just love journaling all my life. Right, I was like, I want to find the journey in this journaling. So I probably was just combing through those for probably a good year, just writing stuff down that stuck out to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I used to think like that. <laughs> you know, that's uh-huh. where I would to be. But I remember having a revelation to the next thing. So, man, I don't remember the exact year, but I would say the research and the journaling and putting this together and seeing how long, you know, how do I put this into chapters? That probably took me about two years. Yeah. Know, in my third yeah.
2: year. It's a process too. It's like, you got to find the narrative and then you got to, it's like editing your episodes. Like you're like, man, Mm -hmm. that's a really dope story, but I don't know if it really fits the book, you know? And how did you record it? I I feel like you were hinting at this. Did you, did you, did you you type it and write it or did you like speak it?
0: I, I would say a little bit of both. I, I, I typed a lot of things like just Charting, you know, you gotta start when you're born, you know, and just mm-hmm. trying to find what are that, what are the most pivotal stories that I could remember from different eras. So I would just kind of mm-hmm. here is where, I, you know, when I lived in Cleveland in a, in the hood, hood, like you know, I just right. took the hood for itself and and looked at all the lessons and all the things that you know, and then I just just took like a beginning, middle, one in or up to our where, where where I am. At that time, now I feel like I got another book because we've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and All the different things, yeah. But yeah, I just, I just started at, at the very beginning with my earliest childhood memory. And just, you know, and once I got, like, I felt like I had everything that I wanted to say. Then I tried to figure out, like, how do I put this into a chapter and just have that there? And so we ended up with 15 chapters. Yeah.
2: Will there be another book?
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I mean, I can tell you this. So one of my favorite books, I always say it's the Bible for me. And then it's the Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So, and he's a big believer of the law of attraction. And I actually went to a conference that he was speaking at and he started talking about writing a book and all these different things. And he actually was a publisher. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to write a book. Jack Canfield has to, to publish my book. So his publishing company did publish my book. And I sat down with him uh, at that time. He said, let me tell you how you set this up. We're not doing one book. We're thinking about a series of books. So who is the Hollywood, and my, the tagline is how to stop waiting to be discovered and discover yourself. So the first one is my story, my journey. But like the next one would be like Hood to Hollywood for the director. And I said, you. And then you tell me your story and all the director friends that we know and put right. it in, But like a chicken soup for the soul. I want to do one for the actor. I want to do one for the writer and so on and so forth. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, let's get in. Let's
2: get into the the, the craft journey a little bit, because you went to you went to school for let me me check my information. Thank you to (laughs) Jada, wonderful assistant producer on the show. So you went to Kent State for business management and information systems. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And so but now you're a director. So how does that happen?
0: Well, I was saying this first started at Kent State University. I went there about because my cousin went there, and I thought she was awesome, but they also had a really good fashion design program. Mm-hmm. So I actually went originally for fashion design, and I had this awesome counselor, and she let me do all these classes early so that you can kind of get into it versus that, you know fundamentals one on one, all that. And my second year, she left and we had this mean counselor come in. It's like, you guys weren't supposed to do this. So he actually made us go back and and do the do the program the way it was initially supposed to be done. And for me, I was just like, I can't do, you know, almost a year and a half of boring classes. So I decided like, okay, what else can I do that no matter what I do, it I can apply it. And so that was business management and I was, was so into computers. And so I'm like, I'm interested in that. So I'll do that. Second.
2: So interesting. And so you were, was that kind of like, that this is, this would be the most deliberate economical way to get out of school.
0: But I, I, and I felt like I would walk away with something I can apply to anything I decide to do. And I it right. gives me time to think about more about because I, I love fashion. And because I had modeled, you know, I was like, oh, the next thing should be fashion. And but I mean it's fashion is tough. <laughs> so yeah. but I actually did more modeling in a, in college. And and so I, from there, I just was struck by the at that time in front of the camera, <laughs> like uh-huh. you know, just doing me and 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 letting my mother and everybody be so proud of me on the runway. <laughs> And right. Take it, right.
2: So the so behind the, the behind the camera bug wasn't really, you know, snapping at you at your feed just yet.
0: No, no. It it didn't even hit me that it was a possibility until many, many, many years later. That's once once I came to LA. Mm-hmm. The very first acting class I got into was Chip Fields acting workshop. And she was a director. And so I ended up becoming her assistant, started following her around on shows. And I was just like amazed by it. I just felt like I'm learning the industry, not necessarily I'm going to be a director, but I was very, you know, I am your sister, very organized. (laughs) Right, right. uh, She was like, I think you should give directly the shot. And I was like, you think so? I was like, okay, I'll try it. And then I go
2: ahead. I, so I want to, because it's funny Because people talk and, and oftentimes I feel like they are who they are. So there's like things that just are like a, a sentence, but you said, I ended up becoming her assistant. Now, how'd you do that? Because that, that not everybody that came through was welcomed into her world in that way. Like how did, how did that, you know, come to be? What did you do? How did you navigate that?
0: Oh, I have a very interesting ship fields <laughs> story well, when I was a little girl and when I lived in Atlanta, Chip and Kim came to speak to the Girl Scouts. I was a Girl Scout. Mm-hmm. And Chip, I mean, just out the blue from it, I was standing on the side of the, of the the aisle trying to find a seat. And there was really no more seats. And so Chip just calls me on the stage and says, come up here. I want you to come. And she had me on the stage with her the whole time. And then she tells me I'm a star and all this stuff. So she spoke into my life. So when I came to LA, one of the main people I wanted to find was Chip Fields. How I found Chip Fields, I did this, the job on the Steve Harvey Show, and I said, "I'm looking for an acting coach." He says, "Well, Chip Fields is my acting coach." I'm like, "Chip Fields, really. So he gives wow. her number. It was it really just when I think about it, it, just seemed like just fate, you know. And I I got into her acting class, and she invited me to church. Hmm. Oh, I mean, I've always been a believer. But I really went to another level of just you know studying and being in her church, and from there you know we became close, and I just started helping her, and and I was always around her. So she was like, "Can you go to the house and you know make sure the cable man get in?" And I was like, right. "Yeah, do whatever you want." And so that's I mean we just kind of took a liking to each other and just connected.
2: Did you when you hit the ground running at this moment in time? you know, leading toward that first role on the Steve Harvey show, like, were you, what was kind of, what was your mental state? You know what I'm saying? Like, were you like, this is going to be hard. I think I've got the answers on how to make it in Hollywood. Like, what was it like for you in that, in that regard?
0: I was terrified. (laughs) Like everybody, I just felt something pulling at me. And one of my, my quotes is that, how do you know when God's trying to tell you something? You hear the same thing over and over from different sources, or he makes you so uncomfortable that you got. Go. And that's still that's one of the things to this day. When I feel uncomfortable, when I feel like okay, I've I've gotten what I need to get on this step and level, I look I look for it to show me a God to show me like what's the next thing for me, and He showed me like to move to LA. And but I mean, you know how when you make these decisions, it's like all these bad things show up. <laughs> To see, like, okay, let me see if you really want to move to LA. I'm like, gonna right. make you have to owe all this money, and you ain't gonna be able to go unless you have more money, right? And I was just right. like, I don't care. I'm going with this $500 in my pocket at that right. time, and I'll figure it out when I get there. But I, I've always kind of been, you know, I face my fears type of a person. I, I go, I go towards the fear unless it's, you know, harmful to my to me. Right, right. I like fear and stuff. <laughs> now
2: nah, that's dope. So how do you get from that point? Because that's, I guess, what, 2000 with that first role? How do you get to being behind the camera? And what were your what was your first project?
0: Well, my first, well, the first thing I did, I actually did a, a showcase. And this is when they just had let you put scenes up and direct scenes on stage. And that was one scene from what became my first short called The Call. And when I did that scene, because that was to me, my little test from, from, from a uh, chip, like, let me see, I do it just so, to chips it. And I remember Pete, like standing on the side of the stage and just listening to the audience laugh where I wanted them to laugh or uh-huh. I was just like, oh, oh my God, this, this I love it so much. And I'm on the side. Nobody's even looking at me. And so from there, it got such a great response. People were like, I need to show this to my my nieces because they dealt with HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this one said, you should do it as a short film. I'm like, hmm, that's a good idea. So I wrote more scenes to go with the one scene and, and sure. I did the first short and it started Chip's youngest daughter, Alexis. And, you know, we won 13 awards with the first short. I said, hmm, I might have something here. <laughs> But it was, it was such a dope, a dope experience. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I was like, I've been on sets and I just, you know, I just gave it my all.
2: That's dope. So it all kind of happened organically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot I, I, I feel like I was coming to LA with this idea. Like I wanted somebody to discover me. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an actress or a model and I need to go to LA so I could be discovered. And then I started realizing this ain't about nobody doing anything for you. This is about you discovering what you right. need to
2: do for yourself. Right. Yeah, that's the hard part, man. Everybody, it's funny, right? Because like, you know, you do panels and we do podcasts or whatever it might be. And people ask you like, you know, what's the like, what what do I need to be doing? And oftentimes the answers are are, they feel they're not as prescriptive as people would like them to be. Right. They they want you to be like, oh, well, if you do this and that and that, it's like it ain't gonna be that. It's like if you stay positive, you know what I mean? If you right. if you work hard and mastering your craft, if you're not an asshole and you make as many projects as you can a year and you just keep doing that, you know, and you build your network, it'll happen. But then they look at you like you know, but <laughs> everybody
0: if <laughs> they want it
2: to I mean, but, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, so you're you talking about, I got to this is going to be indefinite work. Yeah, that's going to be indefinite work, bro. But that's how it goes. So what happened after after the call? Did you do more short films? Did you, you know, did the TV industry come calling?
0: No, TV wasn't really <laughs> what it is today. Back then it was all about the feature. It was, I mean, I was doing like commercials, little PSAs and tutorials for Home Depot and Target, the little the how-to videos. I got a job doing that. I was Did just, that pay well? It, not really. I mean, it was okay. It, was, it, it wasn't It was like, you know, to say pay well to you is like, no, it wasn't.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> they know your audience is what I tell my girls. Like, no, you're right. No, it wasn't paying well. But back then, you know, it, it kept the lights up, you know. But I, I was just in pursuit of the future because I felt like I'm not going to prove myself until... I do this feature. And then I also wanted to take the craft really seriously. So I went to LACC and got a cinema production degree because I was like, I need to know what I'm doing and I need to be able to communicate with all these different department heads. So I need to know what they do. I don't have to be amazing at what they do, but I have to understand what they do. And so I did that while I pursued the feature and the feature took 15,000 years. It took about 10 years for me to actually get more.
2: Right. Right.
0: And what was that? It was called Seasons of Love, and it, it aired on Lifetime. It had Taurasi P. Henson and Gladys Knight and Method Man. I gonna say this. One thing I, is that things may take me longer. I'm, I may have to wait longer, but it's always like an extra big payoff. Like to have, I mean, I'm directing Oscar nominated actors and Grammy Award winners and I'm like, I it could have just been Tyrone and them, you know, in my, my first. But that that wasn't my my thing. My first feature had stars.
2: Stepping into that because a lot of times, you know, well, I, I can't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but some for some filmmakers, they make shorts and they think it'll be easy to make the feature. You know what I mean? Like, what was what was your kind of education process going from short to feature? Like what were the what were the big hurdles or what did you find all, that kind of translated well? Like what were the takeaways of that for you?
0: Well, I mean, I must admit school helped a lot because I made friends with a lot of great professors who helped in having to have already broke down scripts and stuff in school. I kind of started learning my process and how I like to do things. Well, kind of, because you know, it's always ever changing, ever evolving with almost yeah. every job. I either add two takeaways, something that I'm doing to make it easier or to make myself more efficient. But it was it was really just having the script for so many years. And my friends wrote it and we kept rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it, updating it with the times and just knowing it backwards and forwards and learning how to do a lookbook and have a real color palette for it, and have a dream cast, and I would just visualize what I wanted to do so much that I—I I mean, it finally came through. Did
2: you? So you knew the writers before, you, like going into the project? Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, so y'all were like, was it their idea? Was it a shared idea that they that you kind of guided that process? Like, how did that work?
0: Well, the the girl who wrote the first, my first short, she wrote this feature and I thought it was good. But I was like, it's missing something. So another friend of mine, she was an excellent writer and I was like, to put these two ladies together, we can take this to a whole nother level was just as far as she was really good with fleshing out characters and story structure. I mean, she was from Africa and she was just a whole different brain around an experience that we wanted to do. But I also, you know, guided and and would tell them, I don't believe in this character. I don't believe this person would do that. And so they would go back right. and writing and keep writing it. And I kept pitching it and pitching it and pitching it. And, and it never went through. Was the, the funniest thing, though, is that I am, I can say I'm a big, big believer of the law of attraction. And when I moved from, I was in L.A. 15 years and it was I just felt like, OK, Atlanta is budding a little bit more for, for black people. So let me just go there and give it a try. Maybe I'll be a little bit bigger fish in a smaller pond because of the knowledge and all these different things. And I went to Atlanta and found out, you know, they they hired directors from L.A. and from New York. And I was just like, oh, my God. So I ended up getting into radio, believe it or not, which I'm so happy I did get into because it really helped me with presenting myself and enunciating and, you know, not being so fearful to speak in front of people. And I ran into Taraji's manager, who I knew from L.A., and he was like, hey, you still got that script you let me read 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, we still still got got it." it. He's like, let me read it again because Saraji wants to produce and give other people opportunities. And if she, if I like it, I'll give it to her and see if she likes it. And that's wow. how. Good.
2: Man, I, I don't even know. Yeah. I, there's like if for any for everybody listening and watching, like you just have to extract the 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 persistent effort, creativity, positivity, and just meeting folks and leaving a a, a good taste in in people's mouths that they remember you and want to continue helping you on your journey like that's that's part of what I'm taking away from what you've done Um, coupled with though like the battery is in your back like you got the you know what I mean like you've got the battery in your back making sure these things are happening wow okay that answers some more questions because I was going to be like well were y'all pitching it like how did you you know (laughs) but but it sounds like the relationships aligned and that was kind of how you kind of hopped into the door, you know, with somebody who who could make it happen. Yo, I'm Mo Marable, a filmmaker, director. You know me from things like Veep, Insecure, Woke on Hulu, and you're listening to Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman.
1: Transitions, a director's journey and motivational handbook, is Pete Chapman's book from Michael Weezy Productions. The reviews are in. Greg Berlanti says... There's a reason why everyone who works with Pete falls in love with his work. The lessons he imparts here are invaluable. Do yourself a favor and read it cover to cover. From Sarah Gamble, Pete's sharing gold nuggets that will spare you a ton of wasted time and help you channel your drive, talent, and ambition in the most productive way. And from Jesse Williams, this business has everything to do with preparation and expectations. Transitions grounds lessons in reality while empowering our artistry to run free. Not an easy balance to execute. Transitions, a director's journey and motivational handbook, is available on Amazon and anywhere else you get your books. Don't forget about your mom and pop shops, people.
2: So we've got, you know, 2000 Officer Barry. We got 03 The Call. And then we got 12 years later, Seasons of Love. And at that point, TV came calling, right? <laughs> no. So, what happened? What happened after that?
1: You would think
0: nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I finally, the there. I finally crossed this thing. You know how we have this checklist. And I've realized that the checklist never ends as far as the things that we have to do. You haven't done the first. Season, you haven't done this, you have done that. So it was, you haven't done the feature. So I had thought, I have arrived, give me the jobs. Right, Nothing. right. Nothing. And so then I started pursuing, you know, the the television program because TV had all of a sudden exploded. It became actually something that I was more interested in than I, I, I would have been had TV just remained how it was. I mean, when it's doing the limited series and, you know, to really... Flush out a story. So I'm like, that's really a big feature. And I I love doing feature films. And I was like, well, getting into TV could build relationships. It could build my skill set. So I started pursuing, you know, the programs, which took me forever. (laughs) Yeah. It It was
2: not easy. So how did that, what was your, what was your program journey like? And, and I, and I'll, and I'll say this too, you know, this, season of what we're doing now is is probably only going to be director conversations a because of the strike but like B because I really want to have folks be able to kind of get a sense of what this job and journey and, and lifestyle looks like so if there's ever anything you want to lean into tangentially you know it, it's the right place to do it but what was yeah what was that journey like for you like going from from a film now on TV you know, that people can watch with, you know, Academy Award producers and whatnot? Like, what was the evolution of that? And how did that journey go from that into the TV programs and then on to directing your first episode?
0: Well, TV, I I would say this. One thing about the, the directing programs, I tell the girls that I mentor the same thing. I believe you have to apply. One, you build a skill set when you apply. But I also believe that you're putting energy into the thing that you want to do, even if you don't get into the program. As well as, you know, they have these databases. They collect all this information. So they may call you for an event, they, you know, because you're now on their radar and on their list. So these are things that are good, regardless of whether you get in. And I applied so many times to the ABC Disney directing program that when they called me, I didn't even remember applying. I don't even think, I honestly, I don't think I applied the year I got in. I think what they were looking for was something very specific. And so they went into the database and found me Mm -hmm. and told me I was a finalist. And I was just like, did I submit? Like (laughs) I could not even remember. Cause I have been, I, you know, submitted for so many. Right. And, and but when I first got in, you know, it was fifteen of us, and I did a lot of my interviewing on Zoom. So when I went to the first meeting, it really shocked me, though. That what year was this? Eighteen? No. We I did nineteen. No. Yeah, it yeah. must have been eighteen it to twenty
2: because I, I did twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen
0: you're right, 18 to 20, because we, we also got a COVID year. <laughs> it's been a hard, hard time. But uh, when I went in, though, just, you know, it's 15 of us, and you know how the numbers are with Black women in the DGA. So I was just like, how in the world am I the only Black woman here? And it just, <laughs> I go back to this old saying, don't get mad about it, do something about it. And I was like, I'm going to be the first one to get my episode. I'm going to get the most episodes. I'm going to make it so that they'll want to open the door for more people that look like me. I felt like this responsibility. I mean, of course, we're trying to do my own journey, but we know we have to to, to open the door for for other people that look like us. So I I was the first person (laughs) to get my first episode, but it didn't come through the program. It came from my other hustles, (laughs) you know. Going to the brunches that Jeff would have. I was not even HDGA and I, Jeff is in Atlanta. Jeff Bird. So Jeff,
2: Jeff Bird, yeah, who, who was uh, also on the pod. But yeah, good good brother making all the connects.
0: Exactly. So he, and I had met him when I did Seasons of Love because he asked me to be on the panel for Pan-African with right. like this plethora of, of directors like Charles Stone and Charles Murray. It was crazy. But after, what was that about the, the directing program? Oh, Jeff. So Jeff had invited me to a, br- a brunch and I just so happened to sit next to the showrunner of Greenleaf <laughs> and it was on my vision board. <laughs> and uh, Clement, the- Clement Virgo. Yeah, Clement yeah. Virgo. Yeah. yeah. And I was super excited. I knew him in name. I just knew what he looked like. So when I yeah. realized it was him, I was like, oh, that's my show. And I started breaking down the episodes of what I liked. Or, you know, it just so happened to be the episodes that he directed that I was really
2: uh-huh. about. I mean, J- just so happened. Huh? <laughs> just so happened right?
0: And so he, I told him, I said, you know what? I said, I, I live in L.A. now, but I'll fly myself back out to Atlanta. I'll put myself up. I'll do all the things if you let me shadow on Greenleaf. But I told him this is when I kind of felt like things shifted for me. Okay. Is shadowed many times before that, but I was at a point of I've got to get bold about this thing. I gotta, I gotta do something, and so I told him, mm-hmm. I said, I'm only gonna do that if you highly consider me for an episode. If you're not gonna highly consider me for an episode, I don't want to waste your time or mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. And yeah. let me come shadow
2: a shadow. Oh. And a year later, I got an episode. Agreeably, I love the word choice too, though, because you know you highly consider is like, I understand it ain't a it ain't a locked in thing and you can choose otherwise, but I want it to be, you know, I want you to understand how serious I want to do this when you review my performance. And that, you know, that that's a thing that I would share for everybody listening. And I probably have before, like, and maybe I'm giving away the secret sauce, but, <laughs> but you know, like, like I don't, I have in every meeting that I have, like I I conclude it with of like very clear and direct, like I I hope I have the opportunity to direct on your show for these reasons. You know what I mean? And like 95% of the time it works because I think that there are a bunch of people who are taking a meeting who maybe don't even want to do it. They're doing it for a relationship or somebody told them to take it. And it's like, you know, this this little bit of directness that you're talking about, it, it's not an overwhelming thing that people are doing, you know what I mean? And and it really makes it clear. Like when they're considering like, you know, a bunch of people from last year who did the show, who, who, who didn't want to be highly considered, but you said that you wanted to be, it it really, it it makes that decision hard for them to just sweep you under the rug and over a long enough timeline. Like, you know, it's, that's how you get those things to break through because I did the same thing. I shadowed on that show, you know, for a month. Stayed at my boy's place. Like, no, you know, nothing was paid for. All me. All right. I mean? But, like, got the episode. So it's a testament to them for even, you know, without a formal pipeline, you know, taking you, me, Crystal, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and helping us get into the game with one-hour dramas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was... It was a beautiful experience because you know, being able to shadow and everybody knows you. And then when you come back to do that episode, they're rooting for you. Like they're not gonna let you fail. You know they got your back. It was it was beautiful.
2: And did you so am I am I tracking is right? You that was your first episode. So what you were in the Disney ABC program, but you got your first episode on your own on a on a Lionsgate owned show. Yep. I love it. So they are probably like over there looking over here, like what,
0: what? I know. What? I had to miss like the first couple of meetings because I was doing the episode. They're like, oh, this girl's not playing. I was like, i was Skype in. <laughs> you know, I'll zoom in.
2: Yeah. That's so, what's up. Yeah. So then that that probably raises their assessment of what they can do with you. Right. Because I, I you know, my 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 thought is that these programs need successful directors to bolster the reality that the programs are are performing right so they see you working and it's like oh maybe now it'll be easier for us to get her a show because it won't be the first one somebody else is taking that swing Mm -hmm. so how did you when you came back from Greenleaf how did you begin to navigate the waters of the program
0: well, it's funny what you just said because you were that person that they used to bolster. They were like, "If you just do what Pete Chapman did, and I started studying Pete Chapman." But, but when I came back, I very much like you. I got that spreadsheet out, and I got yeah. that, that 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 executives list of every person on every show, and I just started knocking them off. Can I meet with this person? Can I meet with this person? Can I do it? <laughs> And I just started meeting with everybody, and I got an opportunity finally to shadow on Gronish, and that was with Eric Dean C. That's when I met him. And everybody thought he was either my brother or my boyfriend because he's from Cleveland too. And we just right. locked in like bam, right, right, right. right. And- <laughs> And I shadowed him, and then we went to just visit next door at Blackish. and Charles Stone was over there. So I was like, yo, can I come over here after I finish with Eric? He's like, yep. So I go over to shadow Blackish, and so the showrunner show was like, okay, so you going to shadow Greenish, too? I mean, Greenish, Grownish, too.
2: My Grownish, Mixish. Miss- Mixish. Wait, who What was it? Was it Courtney? <laughs> was Courtney show running, or was it at that point? Who? Oh.
0: <laughs> of... Of Blackish. Oh, Blackish is not Courtney. It was Courtney had just left, I think, and and it was it was Michael P. Talk. Oh, Michael P. Talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness, Michael P. Talk was at Blackish, and then he was like, "Okay, so you want to go over to to Mix-ish? And I was like, "Yep." Right. I was the only one who shadowed all three shows, and I kept turning the shadow opportunity into another shadow opportunity, which turned into a job eventually.
2: And I think I saw you when I was doing my Mixed dish episode. That's when I think I have a picture of you and me and Matthew Cherry.
0: Yep. That's when he had just won the Oscar. And he yeah. won Oscar to, to the set. And we were like, whoa, this is deep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Okay. So then what did you book next? Blackish. Blackish. So you, oh. you shout out grown first, but you booked Blackish next.
0: That's the craziest name because I thought... If they're gonna give me one, they're probably gonna give me one like grownish. But then I I realized probably why they gave me blackish. Blackish was you know fine old machine, and you know that's why right. we have the elbow room. But it was the biggest show of the three, and I was super happy <laughs> about that.
2: So describe for for our directors listening and emerging, you know what was the difference for you between Greenleaf, a one hour drama in Atlanta and blackish a 30-minute single camera comedy shooting in LA. It was easier. No,
0: I mean, <laughs> not as much, much content. But it was for me, it felt very natural to go between drama and and comedy as I talked about when I try to direct everything underneath the sun. You get a lot of skill sets. You know, you've mm-hmm. been shadowing chip. I was doing multi-cam. So I had all these skill sets that normally you don't get to have because you usually get into something. Right. But to me, when I was in the, the Disney ABC program, they were kept asking like, which one do you want to do? And I'm like, that's like asking a singer. Do I want to do up or ballads? I could do both. Right. And so they pushed me for both. And through them, I got the first shot in comedy. But it was, it was obviously less work because, and, and then, you know, drama is, is so, the, the 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 stories and characters are a little bit more depth to them, but Black, it's just like these well carved out people who you don't have to, I don't really have to go in and do anything with character because like, they know these characters better than me. So I have to go in and lean into what it is, the course, study the show, but it was, it was great. But are I you meaning like technique-wise or like how I broke yeah.
1: I mean,
2: is there like a different, you know, not to step on it, but I find like for me, like with with drama, there's a oftentimes, and it's hard. It's like a lot of this shit is the generalization, but like you know, you can tell more of the story with the camera, depending on the show, you know, mm-hmm. because some on certain half hours they don't want you to step on the joke, so you really are just creating an environment, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I just wonder like if there's anything that that had any stark contrast between the two that you found as you were prepping or shooting or even editing?
0: Well, I would say the flow was a lot, a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even though Greenleaf was a last season show, it just took more to to cover those things than it does. And, you know, you go into these sets that they've shot them a million ways. (laughs) So it's like, you, you almost can't really figure out anything new or different because it's been done a million times when you get into, like, as many seasons that they, as they have had. Right. Um, but I, I found the pace to be much faster. My
2: Did you have any any moment where you were like, y'all fucking with me? You like, like, is this a test? You know what I mean? Like, where you were just like, is it because I'm new? Or, you know, what's happening right now on set?
0: Well, I I, I definitely felt... A little broken in. (laughs) 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 we was saying by one of the actors, and it was about a a directing choice that I was asking, Mm. you know. And that's where I learned to say, okay, let's do one your way, let's do one my way, let's have a little variety here, you know. Let's have have some choices in the editing made and to reel it so that they don't feel like whatever their choice that they made was wrong. Uh, especially when they've lived with these characters so long, but you're actually asking them to do something that didn't come to them, that may be a better choice. So I <laughs> learned, but I definitely got challenged <laughs> and pushed back from an actor like that. I don't think this character would do that.
2: On, As, on, on which On show? both shows, though. But actually, shows. I remember
0: yeah. doing a one on Greenleaf and... It was just like the actor was like, I don't think that I would do this in front of this person. And this is happening over here. And I'm like, that person in the arm length. I was like, well, just try one my way. Okay. It's called your way. No problem. And she didn't want to go back to her way <laughs> afterwards. She was like, OK. And I I felt like I earned some respect. Like, OK, she yeah,
2: legit. That's how you get those directing stripes, right? Because the, the, the first, it's a leading question too, because the first couple of times it happens, at least for me, I was like, I was always kind of like, is this, you know, going back to your, being able to like move through the world from where you grew up and look at situations. I'm like, y'all doing this? Cause like I'm new. You know what I'm saying, or like you're doing this just to like, like is this a joke, or are you are you really like, is this how you are? Like that's crazy, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. You know what
2: I mean? So yeah, it's just a weird, it's a weird part of the job that until you do it multiple times, it no longer matters, right? Because you 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 know how to navigate it, but nobody can prepare you for some of those interpersonal dynamics that you have to navigate that are, in many cases, psychological. That Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't go get a get a PhD in any in any uh, psychiatric you know uh, discipline. So it's a it's a weird job.
0: It is. It is. It's it's very interesting. Like I I try now like with my little tactics. I definitely make somewhat of friends or contact definitely with everybody (laughs) before Uh I get to set and and find some common ground, some commonality. You know, some of that research I do, even you know, when I'm. Checking out actors and what they've done, and you know, I, I try to find those things that I could pull on later on in case they are having a moment, or right. you know, to, to to get on my
2: side. <laughs> right. So, so after after that, what was? Because I know you did the did you did the Goldbergs, right? And you kind of became looks like looks like a family favorite over there. You did a bunch. So, like, what was was that
0: after Blackish? Yeah, did you ever do a grownish? No, <laughs> I wanted to, but I didn't do a grown. I thought I was going to do Mixish but then made it come back. I think that would have been the next, and then grownish seemed like it was already kind of the, the slate was already there, right. you know, as far as the directors that they they had. But the gold burst was like a what I call a pleasant surprise. <laughs> And I say that because when I first watched the show, I, I mean, it was funny and it was nostalgic a couple of the times. And I loved all that, you know, stuff that from my childhood, you know, toys right. and all the things that they do. And I got there and I don't know what happened, but I fell in love with them and they fell in love with me. We just, <laughs> it was just a nice click in. I love the actors, I love working with them, but it was very much what I learned from, from Blackish. I didn't go in trying to make them something. I mean, there were 10 seasons. <laughs> like right. how am I telling Beverly Goldberg how to be Beverly Goldberg? You right. know, I would, you know, where I could fit in some different ideas or if, if I felt like it would matter, but it was really about making everybody comfortable and being, you know, of course, prepared, efficient. Let's make this happen and you know, you get them out early. They love you. <laughs> now that's that's something that
2: with some directors that I've spoken to, at this moment in the career that we're talking about i've come across directors who have been like oh you know i'm I, it's just traffic cop or you know uh, i you know what you're talking about is a fact of life they look at it as a negative so like yeah. how did you how did you come to understand that dynamic and 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 work in a way where you're still energized to help this show Achieve the best episode that it can from this particular script.
0: Well, I I always do look for a where can I have a princess moment <laughs> yeah. wherever it is throughout the whole script. Somewhere there's going to be, you know, and I think to me it just made sense. It, it didn't make sense to go in trying to remix stuff. But if I can get creative, if I can do little things, like that. I studied the show, so I knew where they all set on the couch, and I knew and I was like, right. don't let them sit on the floor. Or you sit up here, and sit on the arm, or do, you know, just just moving them around because they were used to it. this is my spot. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like every episode is looking the same. We can't do that. But like we had a couple of things we do, like a turkey brace or whatever. And so I was like, here's my moment to do something different. We're outside of the the house and we're, you know, let's do some slow motion of him running or, you know, so I know that they are looking for me to bring something to the table because if it's like deliver the same meal every, every day, that's boring, you know? And I do have a good, you know, a strength of just dealing, not dealing with, but just, being able to be around a lot of people and communicate effectively toward everybody and make everybody feel seen and heard and i think that is one of the one of my my gifts that i say helps me even when i'm in positions where i'm not like okay i got to call peter or somebody cuz i ain't never did this before right, right. But like that i make sure everybody feels seen and heard they will give me elbow room when i need right. so
2: yeah, that's a you know that's a that's so important, man. And like you know, I even feel like again, I say that the whole twin thing here is like there's this all the all the lives lived before this career, inform the success in this career because you know we might look young and we're not old, but we've seen things. You know what I mean? it's so like that be able to bring that to it and kind of, you know, act like you've been there even when you haven't and also take a breath and watch it happen around you while you may not have, like, you may not be able to grab everything, but you know, it's all going to land, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very important part of the job. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So how did you get to, you kind of went back to some dramas, right? First Wives Club and Our Kind of People. How did, how did those particular shows come? Were they program related or Princess Hustle?
0: <laughs> Our kind of people with Princess Hustle slash Jeff Bird Hustle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because during COVID, you know, I'm back to that same question. I can get mad about it or I can do something about it. So I was like, I'm going to meet with everybody and then some on Zoom so mm-hmm. that I can keep the relationships going because everybody at home, they can't say no, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I ended up keeping a relationship with the showrunner, Karen Jess, during that time. And so when our kind of people came to be, of course, I was like, well, can I, can I, can I shadow on the show? Where well, I really actually, at that point, I didn't say, can I shadow on the show? I was just more like, can I get an episode? Right. <laughs> because right. I was like, I've done two or three at that time. And I'm like, I just need, you know, a shot. And of course, because COVID, they were like, "No, it's COVID, it's COVID, it's COVID." But Jeff was like, "You need to get out here, and shadow this show, just shadow me what I'm directing, and you know, I'm gonna push you for an episode." And I was just like, "Jeff, I'm tired of shadowing it. I want, you know, I want my episode. I got these already." He was like, "Just come out here and shadow. I <laughs> love." And I said, "I'm not gonna call it shadowing. I'm gonna call it a set visit <laughs> <laughs> myself." <laughs> Feel good. and because of the relationship I had they pushed it through even during COVID for me to do a set visit in my yeah. in my a, eye. Nine,
2: a nine day set visit
0: <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tell yourself whatever you gotta tell yourself to be comfortable I don't know but I was there and the opportunity presented itself and I was there and I was ready
2: that's what's up so you know what are some of the other shows you've done and in, in, in this let's see See the Grand Crew Run the World Bonked. Am I am I leaving anything out?
0: Well, just recently it's not on there, yeah, but I did BMF. Ah, word, word. Yeah. And George Wallace has a new show called Clean Slate. Yes. With the LaBerne Cox. Yeah.
2: And that was that in where did that shoot? Savannah. Savannah. Right, 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 right. I think
0: that was back to back top of the year, right into the strike.
2: Right. So how, what do you what like if you were to do a, a self assessment like what are the describe maybe even in third person the difference between princess the director of tv in 2020 and princess the director in 2023 or 4 when we get back to work like yeah how would you describe her
0: like i'd say okay, from 20 tw- from the beginning till now <laughs> Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not so ter- I mean, terrified. I was, I was. you know, you don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess it up for nobody else. So you over-prepare. I don't even think that's a thing, but I, I always over-prepare if, if, if it is a thing. But I feel today definitely more confident and, and more, more excited actually about the future because what I've learned is stop thinking you got to know it all. The the only thing you really got to know how to do is find out what you don't know. Like, if you know, if you're resourceful and you know how to find out what you don't know and know that there's so many people around that could help you and want to help you and want to see you win, that you don't have to, you know, put that extra pressure and anxiety and stress on yourself. So I'm actually, I mean, there's so many things I want to do, so many things I want to learn. I was in the storyboards class, you know, with the DGA with you the other day because I have not used storyboards and I probably could have or should have or didn't even realize I had the option to. I mean, I knew Eric did it for a really big scene for grown but I'm like, I haven't really had anything that I felt like it needed to be storyboarded out, but maybe I have and I just didn't even take the option. So it was, it was great to, to learn, you know, more in that space. So I'm just really excited about, you know, the things I want to do. I'm a pretty strategic person. So the things I I do. (laughs) I could tell. (laughs) So, I mean, and I I really want to get like into that Dick Wolf camp and do some of those procedurals over there. So I was like, I can't get over there with the burst. Let me go do (laughs) BMF. right? Uh (laughs) And, And got to do some real cool cinematic funky stuff that I just never did, putting the camera everywhere. They're like, do whatever you want to do. I was like, oh, this is the best show ever. And I just had so much fun and learned so much and grew. And I'm just ready to get back to it because I miss it. <laughs> what would the perfect
2: six-month window look like for you in terms of like, you know, the episodes that you that you directed for for a six-month window?
0: The ones that I I would like, I said, I, I really want to do some procedurals. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big Law and Order, Criminal Intent. At the, I want I've never done those shows, but I've always big fan. I like to do shows that I'm a fan of, because right. it was you direct what you a fan of. It's super exciting, you know, and it's kind of weird. And when I say weird, because you watch these people on TV and then all of a sudden you're in the room and they're walking around. It's like this is kind of <laughs> kind right. Of weird right. It is it is weird, right? <laughs> it's like people don't think about that, but you know, TV is I I call it my my school, my playground. So if there's anything that I can do or shows, I would when when shows even come to me, I look to see is there something I can learn? Is there something I can get better at? Is there, you know, so I really want it. I mean, I've been strategically trying to get over to the to just, you know, that's a big umbrella when you say the big bull. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy that I've gotten into the power universe because I, I like a lot of things that they're doing. I want to do more gritty stuff. But I was in a perfect world. I'll direct TV all year long and do one passion project a year. So I've been working on a future film that I wrote for 10 years. <laughs> and it's ready though. It's very exciting. So I put, I'm putting a lot of energy into it right now during this time. And so I definitely want and love TV and I wanted to come back, but I think I'm most excited about finally being able to say I produced and it right and, and directed something.
2: Right, and then that will feed so many more of the TV things that you want to do because there's always that you know correct or not perception that feature directors are you know you're more you know, the better pilot directors or whatever it might be. You know, so that's a that's a smart smart move. Thank you. So we're rounding third, as I like to say. Tell me about the Real Black Unicorns for those watching. You see that on this T-shirt here. I, mean, <laughs> I know that's an organization that you started, but yeah, what is what is that all about?
0: Well, I formed Real Black Unicorns in during COVID, and it became it. I've always been from when I was in my church. I was over the girls' ministry. I had a nonprofit in Atlanta called Lock Princesses, where I've always mentored young women. And it came because I was mentored in the hood by one lady who she would have all the girls in the, in the, 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 pretty much the project housing that we lived in. We would come together and have these, these meetings once a month. And it was to help us stay out of the streets and, you know, away from all the stuff that was going on and have a safe zone. But I remember her telling us when I was a little girl, she was like, I'm doing this for y'all, but just promise me you're going to always do it for someone else. And I've never let that stop. And so when got, we got, during COVID, I was like, how do I start mentoring again? And then I said, be more, be even, I, I used to mentor because of, you know, modeling. So I would do etiquette and things like that. But then I'm like, but I think where the need is, is with African-American females, because this is a hard, tough journey with, it's a it's a dirt road that we're paving. And some of the things I've learned, I would never know unless I just, I mean, I'm like, why do they have to not know? Why can't I, you know, lead them and and show them what worked for me and support them along the way? So I started it and I'm revamping it now because it was, like I said, was started during COVID. So I had all this time and I had like, you know, meetings once a month. Then we did all these different panels and exercises. And now I became a, a working director, but my my heart and my passion is still as strong for the the organization as it was then. So we formed like now a complete nonprofit and just revamping how I'm gonna do it so that I can still be effective, but also understand I may not have as much time as I used to.
2: Is there a w- particular way folks can support at this moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, come on to realblackyounghorns.com. There is, you know, a way for women to sign up, even though I may say the, the, the membership is closed. That's just for, I usually take a membership and I assess the women in three different categories so I can know how to actually mentor them or get them mentors. So there's a way that you could sign up just so you're in my database. And once we start rocking and rolling again, they'll get notified as well as, you know, Instagram. We're around. All right, we'll so, be some some sponsorships too. Hey, we're know, legit now. <laughs> bring that, bring that money. You
2: know, yeah. what three qualities do you think are required for someone to make it in this business?
0: Hmm. Well, the first thing I think you you have to have have a, a foundation that you stand on. Mine is my my faith and my belief system. That to me is first and foremost. You have to have something which you're pulling from. This is how I know what I will do and what I won't do. What I figure is right and what's wrong. It comes from that, that. And I think everybody should have that. Uh, I think that you have to be positive. You have to be positive. And I always say I'm a glass is half full. You know, everything is working to my my good at all times. And you have to be able to be able to shift, reframe, regroup. It's life, and in this industry, it's a roller coaster. You sign up for this roller coaster, or or when I, when we all said, I sound like a firewoman. I just put out fires everywhere because there's always going to be stuff that pop up, and to know everything's going to pop up, you you can deal with it easier. Versus, I didn't know this was going to happen. Something happened. Something's always going to happen, and if you can be resilient and go with the flow and be open to I just probably way more than three things <laughs> but, Not, but
2: it's but but it's it I love it there's this there's yeah. no wrong answer here
0: right but there but to to be able to go with the flow I call it like I prepare. I have a plan if all else fails, the plan is solid it's gonna work it's gonna be good. but I'm also open to all these other brilliant people in these in their in their lanes to to elevate and to make it better. I always right. say, this is what I want to do. Y'all's job is to make it better. And right. it makes me so excited, the whole collaboration. When people say they don't like collaboration, I'm like, what do you mean? That's where the magic is. All of this, all the smarts coming together at one time. And then I, when I get most excited is when I look at the screen and something better than what I could have ever imagined just happened. And I'm right. like, that's it right there. That's, right. that's when I'm like, this is what I'm supposed
2: to do. <laughs> So, my last question is in the in, in considering you know how important it is for you to kind of educate and give back and you've had such a unique journey to get from from Cleveland to where you are right now, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to make sure the director who is you, you know in 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 two thousand listening to this, hears hmm. I
0: would say I'm really thinking about this because this is a really good question. One, I, I hate to just go back to my book, but the when I say stop waiting to be discovered, stop waiting for somebody else to do something for you. Stop waiting or looking like somebody's gonna be this person that is the end-all, the be-all to make this happen for you. It's, it's not anybody else. It's completely you and what's inside of you and what's your purpose and what's, you know, what you're supposed to leave and give to this world. And until you really focus on and find what that is, you'll just be kind of grasping at things. But to ground yourself, be still, figure out what it is that you are here to do and then grow from that, to me, is the foundation. To me, it's made me so much more calm peaceful, happy as a person, because I don't really try to be nobody else. I try to be 100% of myself. And some people like it, some people don't. I don't really care. No, You, you, you should care. I'm like, I really don't. Maybe I'm that old at this point. They say, when you get older, you care less and less about what people say. But it's not even that I don't care about people. It's just that I understand my mission here it's different from anybody else's. And I just stay within my mission and and give, you know, because that's a part of the process because you shouldn't just be a, a mentee. You should also be a mentor. And we all have to give. So if you're not giving at all, nothing's going to come back. Right. You have to give, but, but know who you are. Know why you're doing what you're doing.
2: I love it. Well, wow. Princess Monique Films, thank you for joining the pod. We've been trying to do this for a minute. Yeah. So I'm glad we were able to link up and, and chat here. And I look forward to seeing you on a set sometime some soon.
0: You too, my brother. We got to get back to it because this is what we do, what we're passionate about. I mean, you have, you know, baby. I saw the baby on your phone when you were doing it on the computer. I was like, well, he is busy right now. He got some way work for than his work to do. But
2: yeah, now nah, yeah. you know, those so those beautiful. feet keep growing, you know. <laughs> There's a Nas line. He says, Every day my daughter's feet grow, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got some like, shoes. That's true. Then she gonna move on fancy shoes when she gets older. Daddy, I know, I know, I
2: know. I gotta get ready. <laughs> yeah.
0: You will be ready. I know. But well, thank, this you is great. From, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I can't wait till we do more, you know. I'm I'm a fan, you know. what I'm saying I'm I'm. Come on, this is what I do. And oh my god, I, I should show it to you. Do you know that on Amazon, every time I put in my book, your book comes up as frequently. Hey, we're we're like cup, we're like coupled together. Yeah, it's like
2: yeah, and maybe and maybe probably Dan Adius's book, and, uh, directing great TV that okay. Great television. Yeah. That's Kelly
0: awesome. yeah. I mean really yeah, Kelly. Cool. Kelly was the only one. Kelly was a writer on my my episode of Our Kind of People. Yeah, it's so yeah. awesome, man. And this journey is so, you know.
2: She she ran the HBO program that I was in, and wow. you know, <laughs> then she's over here writing, and it's just great. I saw her in Paris. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's long enough timeline. We all end up co-workers. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. well we have to figure out I think we should do a book sign or do something I don't know because it like every time it pops up I'm like and they are our, our books complement each other as far as the look the
2: orange up. yeah
0: <laughs> of it it's like perfect we have to do something we have to talk about that yes sure. let's do it let's do it we're just going to call it twins
2: <laughs> there it is all right well awesome thanks again thank you. What's up, people? This is Pete Chapman. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter via at Pete Chapman. Follow the pod on IG via at Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman and hit up our mailbag with questions, suggestions, or hey, donations if you're feeling like it via Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman at gmail.com. And just in case you need to know how to spell it, that's Pete with the last name C-H-A-T-M-O-N. Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman is produced and edited by the multi-talented cut creator Tristan Nash, assistant produced by the young mogul Jada George, and features the wonderfully gifted Kelly McCreary as our announcer. It's written by yours truly, but I mostly come up with these questions on the fly, which you've probably noticed. Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman is sponsored by Sweat Equity, so go ahead and get your podcast swag via petechapman.com and leave a review on iTunes if so inclined. That shit matters. All right, y'all. Thank you for checking out episode 56 with Princess Monique Films. And I hope you will tune in next week as we welcome director Jonathan Judge. In the meantime, of course, stay safe, spread love, and keep creating.